0: Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Post Money Plan podcast. This upload is coming to you June 21st, 2017. You can find us at postmoneyplan.com or on the iTunes podcast app at the Post Money Plan or also on the Google Play app on the Post Money Plan as well. Today, we're going to be talking about recruitment again, but from the perspective of someone in HR. Before, we spoke to Peter from the applicant standpoint of when you're trying to apply for jobs and what it's like being the outsider trying to get into a company. Now we're going to speak with my guest, Cal, who has experience in HR as an HR generalist. And he's going to give us a little bit of the perspective from the inside how the company is looking at employees and potential applicants. So welcome to the show, Cal.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Could you just give us a little background on yourself so the audience can get a gauge of your experience?
1: Yeah, it would be my pleasure. Well, my name is uh, Hud, and I work in HR, as you mentioned. I've been in the HR business for about four years now. I've done everything from recruiting to general role, and I'm currently now working in the compensation and benefits sector. As far as recruiting, I've done everything from hire blue-collar operator jobs all the way up to operation managers for engineering firms. So I have quite a bit of taste of uh, recruiting and the different types of recruiting that companies
0: do, which I'm sure we'll go over today. All right. Okay. So just as a general outline of what we're going to cover, we'll address how the recruitment process flows in terms of the chronology of events and then the important things applicants should know about the recruitment process and key things that HR is looking for, and then things they're looking for in the interview process, and then things they don't want to see during the recruitment process, and then once an offer is made, how the onboarding process
1: works. Okay, excellent.
0: So let's start from the beginning. Could you walk us through the recruitment process in terms of how the the flow happens in terms of events?
1: Uh, definitely, it'd be my pleasure. So the flow of recruiting can vary from position to position. It's not a cookie-cutter type exercise in a company. As I mentioned, it's really different recruiting, let's say, part-time workers or part-time employees in comparison to hiring a director of sales or stuff, such. When it comes to mass hiring, is you just get a huge pool of candidates, and you do a very simple screening. It doesn't take very long because usually to hire such positions, such as let's say a factory worker or equipment operator, or let's say some of like part-time jobs, like a cashier at a restaurant or some of some sorts, you want to source your candidates as fast as possible and get them working as fast as possible because the turnover in such positions is pretty high. Now, as far as the flow and the timeline, it usually takes around two weeks on average to narrow down a candidate and select them. Is that all? Uh, yeah. It doesn't take – like I said, you want to just basically bang these people out as fast as possible.
0: Are you talking for um, the low – I'm talking
1: for like, like low skill jobs. Okay. So manual labor, or I said like you know low-skilled low, low – so I'd say like any type of like part-time position. Let's say retail – Okay. consumer goods and such. So yeah, you usually just want to do a quick uh, one-time interview, see if they meet you know your requirements for that position, if they have the required degrees or special skill set that you re- need for that position. And if you do, you usually make an offer, and you hire them as, and onboard them as fast as possible. But like I said, I mean, if you're looking at a long, the longest it usually takes to source such a kind and finish the whole recruiting process would be about a month. I've done uh, overseas recruiting for some companies, and that takes a little bit longer due to travel issues and visa
0: restrictions. And wow. you're relocating people, which is a big deal. Yes.
1: yes exactly.
0: Well, but take us back to the beginning of the genesis of an open position at a company. What's happening? Like work needs aren't being met with the current staff of a company. So then they say we need to create an open position here and hire someone.
1: So when we talk about, uh, positions and the creation of a position, that usually falls under the responsibility of, let's say, an organizational planner, is what the role usually seems. So basically, you assess the needs of your organization. You see if your, your incumbents that you currently have working in the company are fulfilling, you know, the desired output
0: that they're asked of, and if they're not being stretched to a point where they're unhappy.
1: You want Hopefully stretch
0: just enough, but not too much.
1: <laughs> yes, which my organization is superly really awesome at. <laughs> that they, they stretch you just enough, not to the point where you snap <laughs> and <laughs> show up to work with a machete. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, basically then assess the needs and the workload that each employee has. And if, like I said, if you, know, you don't have enough people to cover the workload that you have, then you usually... Uh, raise a request or, yeah, requisition for a position. And after that, then usually the head of HR for an organization will review that. And of course, they have to look at the financials and see if they can afford an additional headcount. And after the analysis is done, then you usually get the approval for the hiring process, and that's when you start sourcing candidates.
0: Okay, and then... That's when a job ad goes up on the company's website?
1: Yeah, exactly. So after the organization agrees on the position that's needed and that they can afford it, then they most companies already have a set of something that we call a job code or a job title. And under that job, they have a specific description of what that position does. That way it makes it easier for the organization to help narrow down what they want And it also lets people know what's requested of them or what's needed from them as well. So, you know, one of the first things that, as a candidate, I would recommend is to ask for a job description because sometimes an organization will post a certain position and that job title can be misleading and sometimes it won't be exactly what you think it is. So one of the key things that you always need to look at as a job hunter is the job description that the organization has for that position.
0: Yeah, that seems like a good um, point because just a title can really get you thinking one way when it, it might not be the expectations for that job.
1: Yes, not at all. And sometimes they'll fancy up the, the job title and the position itself is actually something like administrative or something super <laughs> that doesn't, or doesn't even meet what you want to do, you know.
0: Account executive.
1: Exactly. And you're just, you know, in the back room doing uh, PL. you know, paperwork and stuff. So that's one of the main things that you want to look at. But yes, getting back to what we were talking about, after, you know, the request is made, that's when usually for most organizations, you'll have the recruiter or the person who is out there sourcing candidates and interviewing, basically screening, interviewing, and then hiring and onboarding. So that will be the recruiter's main task to get that position up either on the company website via different social media networks, such as LinkedIn, Glassdoor, and Indeed. And then you try to source as many candidates as you can possible. Bearing in mind that you always also want a quality candidate. You don't want a a not-so-qualified candidate for your positions. Now, job titles can be misleading. Candidates can also be sometimes very misleading on what they put on their CV or (laughs) certain experiences or skills that they have where they won't be nearly close to what they actually can do. So that's one of the biggest challenges as a recruiter is also, you know, screening the quality candidates for a position.
0: So, it, when it comes to the screening process, let's take a specific example. If you posted a job description and it says five years work experience required or master's degree required or something, then is that a strict standard? Then, if they don't have that, all those resumes are just thrown to the side?
1: That's Dependent on the, the hiring company, to be honest, because I've worked for a company where they take it super serious and they stick to their minimum requirements 100 percent and they won't look at anything below those minimum requirements. And then I've also worked for a company where they usually put those minimum requirements to narrow down their selection. And usually the people that do apply when you post such minimum requirements have a higher skill set and more experience than what you're looking for for hiring. So it really depends on the company itself.
0: Okay, so if someone's right on the border or questioning whether they meet the criteria, should they be applying or not?
1: To be honest, I would apply because it doesn't hurt. One of the first things I did after graduating from college was spend a whole day in front of a laptop going from website to website to company to company and just applying, even though that you know certain minimum requirements were required from me. As I said, now working as a recruiter, it's not necessarily a red line that you can't cross, that if you don't have those requirements, you can't apply. Because sometimes if you have a certain background that the company's looking for, they'll basically waive those minimum requirements. And especially after they meet you and they interview and they like you, they won't really necessarily meet those uh, minimum requirements. So it, only really big multinational companies, I think, are the ones that really stick to the the uh, minimum requirements because uh, a lot of companies use automated applying systems, like uh, Brass Ring, I think is one of them, and there's a Windows-based one, I'm not sure what it's called, I forgot. But basically, it's kind of like an auto-screening system. So while you're filling in the application online and you tick one of the boxes that they put as a requirement, it'll automatically filter your uh, Oh, right. Your application app. So that's
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. I, in fact, I think I remember something like that. Is Some online application would ask you certain questions, and they might even be, like, subjective questions, kind of. And then if you answer in the negative, then it's just, like, set up. So then it's, like, you're yeah. not accepted. But then you could just go exactly. back and change it, <laughs> and it would accept it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... That's one of the downfalls of uh, these automated systems that a lot of the companies are using these days because it kind of it's not as accurate and/ or reliable as a you know an actual recruiter that uh, physically screens uh, applicants one by one. I mean it's a super tedious job. It's one of the, one of the things I hated the most about the recruiting process was basically screening let's say like a fresh out, a fresh out engineer grant coming in for you know entry position engineering position in our company. So you have thousands upon thousands of fresh grads that are applying, and it's so tough and, and so tedious to go through all those applications and try to find that one applicant that you need for your company or that you think will fit because, like I said, a lot of times the CVs or resumes, as you call can be misleading, and you kind of get a wolf in sheep's clothing.
0: Okay, so then once you're going through that screening process, you weed it down to a certain number that you want to invite in for interviews?
1: Yeah, we usually try to shortlist around, and shortlisting is basically taking out of your entire pool a smaller pool of candidates. So after we shortlist a certain number of candidates, we'll then start contacting them and showing interest and telling them that we wish to interview them, and... For most first contact phone calls, we'll do a quick screening of the employee. Basically, a quick screening will consist of if they're working, if they're interested in the company, if they know what the company is, if they applied, and so on. So it'll usually be a 10 to 15 minute phone call of short questions. And if the person is still interested in attending an interview, we will schedule
0: a first interview after that first initial call. Okay, so then still on the um, weeding down the candidates towards the interview process or to invite in for the interview process. In your specific situation, let's say for like engineers, let's say junior engineers, what are the things that are going to stand out that are going to make you want to invite people in for interviews? Like, is it the school that they went to, their GPA, or they had some work experience already, or like what are the things that are gonna stand out to put someone above the rest?
1: It's really a mixture of all the things you mentioned. Because also when we're hiring for certain positions, the hiring manager is what they call them, the person who actually needs the employee. So let's say the operations manager of the engineering firm. He will also want to review the candidates that we shortlist, so getting back to that, after we shortlist the candidates, we usually send them forward to the hiring manager for his review, and he will review a lot of the stuff that he said. So he'll take a look at the school they went to, the GPA, what kind of classes they took, any type of extracurricular activity that they had. A lot of engineering positions will require co-op experience at internships with the organization, so we'll take a look at that, who they worked with, uh, what type of job they did. And to be honest, with the more highly skilled positions, like let's say IT, engineering, health and safety, one of the big factors is the school that you went to. A lot of the multinational companies will put a lot of focus on where you went to school and how well you did. So they will also take a good look at your GPA and the courses and your major. As mentioned, um, if you had any type of voluntary work or extracurricular activities that add to your certain major or and or skill set, it'll be a plus. If you had a part time job that was also close to the industry that you're applying for will also be a positive during your career process.
0: And at what point, how far past a junior position does it need to be on your side of the table, you'll stop looking or do you ever stop looking at the GPA if you're hiring for a position where it's like a ten years experience kind of thing? Are you still yeah. looking at the GPA or
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good point. Another thing is is for the company I currently work for, uh, we have two types of hires. We have a type of hire called fresh out, which is people that have less than five years experience, and then we have something called experienced professionals. So how do we categorize these people? Basically, if you're an experienced professional, you will have more than five years experience. So if you're an experienced professional, the whole GPA, school, et cetera, et cetera, goes out the window. We're, we're looking at what you're doing and who for who you're doing it for. So let's say we need a fluid engineer, and we want to go and pick somebody off from a, comp- a competitive uh, company. So we'll go look at you know his certain skill set and what we're looking for, and that's what we're going to look for. We're going to look at for his position, his title, and his you know his job description as what he currently does with the other organization. So that's what we're going to focus on. We're not going to focus on the uh, school and GPA anymore. So organizations mainly focus uh, on educational background and GPA if you have less than five years of experience.
0: Because that's really like the only thing to go on? They, they don't have the work experience to, for you to judge them on?
1: Exactly. Spot
0: on. Okay, so then you get down to the people who are invited in for the interview process. How does the process work for the organizations that you've been at in terms of the interview process?
1: Well, for the interview process, like I said, we do our first initial phone call and we get a hold of the candidate. And if we think that person is a good fit, we'll, we'll basically try to schedule a interview with them. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, some, uh, the candidate will either have found a position or is no longer interested in the position. So this also helps us uh, do a quick screening of people who we will interview physically. We try to set up the most convenient times possible for the candidate. something that will allow the person if they're working to leave their, their current position and come and sit with us for an interview. and at the same time, we try to make it as most convenient as possible. So whenever we a lot of companies will have the recruiting or recruiter uh, sitting in the HQ of the company. So most of the recruiters are in major cities. So one of the things is uh, a lot of the population, you know, will reside in these big cities. So it'll make it easier for the people to travel and to arrive and attend the interviews. Now that being said, it's not always possible for us as recruiters to conveniently schedule an interview with a candidate physically and to have a face-to-face interview. So in certain dilemmas that we have in this scenario, what we'll do is we will hold Skype interviews that we try to have the, a camera interview, kind of like a teleconference,
0: and we'll do it remotely, but if necessary. And does that make it harder? Like, are there different rules that apply?
1: Yeah, it's a lot different uh, because as a recruiter, I prefer a face-to-face interview. Also keep in mind, if it's a more senior position, we will usually actually fly the candidate in for an interview, if needed. So the more crucial and the more senior position will facilitate the means for the candidate to come and interview face-to-face.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. The things that you might be asking the candidates are, are probably going to be less technical, right? The hiring manager, what'd you call them? Hiring manager. Hiring, hiring manager is usually the term we use. Would be... because. It could be anything from IT to engineering. So we users, you know, we give them the title of hiring manager. They would be the ones that would probably end up asking or wanting to know all the very technical things specific to that job, whereas as you would be more on general fit, right? Exactly. If you have more of a skilled expertise
1: type position in or company, as mentioned, like let's say engineering, for example, you'll always have a technical Person and you'll have the more, how can I say, HR-type personality person. So in my, one of my previous organizations, whenever we conducted interviews, I would always have the hiring manager and or somebody he delegates attend the interview with me. So what we would do is we would do the, the general screening and the first initial questions, getting the basic info of the, of the candidate. And then we would also do some psychometric uh, Analytical questions that kind of help uh, determine the personality and the uh, work ethic of the candidate.
0: Oh, that's now, pretty interesting. All, yeah, not all companies use uh, such types of methods for
1: the interviewing. My current employer will not have any pure HR recruiters in the company, all the recruiters are previous operations and they all have field experience which I personally don't agree with because I think recruitment needs that kind of human touch as, as we are human resources. <laughs> so I think being pure technical uh, is a little bit of a downfall. But at the same time, when you are hiring for such positions, you need that, that expertise, you need that skill, knowledge, the, and the, the requirements that the operations need. I definitely feel like the best recruiting method that I've performed
0: and done has been the, the dual interview, where it's been me and a uh, technical person. Does it ever end up where candidates are, are making it through the HR process and mm-hmm. then getting to the technical hiring manager, and they're saying, why are you giving me all these candidates? They don't know anything on the technical side, and you're sending me the wrong people kind of thing?
1: That has happened a lot. And it's also been the other way around as well, where the guy will be super, super technical, genius, and... He is just a horrible person. Like, (laughs) horrible, horrible attitude, either super cocky or has an attitude or just isn't a good fit for your organization. You want to make sure that you hire someone that will add value in all aspects for your organization. Yeah, you can go out and, you know, hire the Albert Einstein of petrophysicists, but if he's going to go and make all of his coworkers miserable (laughs) and start fights and make, you know, your workplace a living hell, then it's not worth it. So you have to find the balance between a good employee and a skilled person or a technical person.
0: That's an interesting point, because I don't think a lot of people are thinking about that during the process of trying to find a job But in terms of portraying themselves as a a functioning member of a team and a, a sociable person that people can get along with. People are usually focused on, oh, like, do I look good on my resume and just say the right words in the interview. But I think that's a good point in terms of just being a, a sociable and, and likable person, too. And not it's, just it's putting a, on that nice face, but actually being that person.
1: Yeah, it is. It's is, It's super important to be yourself. You want to be as as transparent as possible to the recruiter. If you're putting on this face of, of a hotshot or something you're not, it's going to look super bad down the road. So you want to be as clear as possible. And for yourself, you need to be comfortable. You need to speak your mind and be confident. You should always be confident. Don't be shy. One thing to always remember is that the company that's hiring is the person who needs you. Yes, you are looking for a job, but at the end of the day, we're the person who needs you. It's not the way around. Because a lot of people go into the interview thinking like oh wow you know i'm so privileged that i got this interview and will i make it And will they accept me And don't be nervous you just have to be you be relaxed and be confident and keep reminding yourself that the company is is uh, recruiting people because they need people not because you're doing them a favor
0: (laughs) so we've still got a lot to cover so i'm going to go ahead and cut the episode off here and make this part one And then we'll go ahead and come back next week and cover the rest of what HR is looking for from candidates in part two. Thanks, Cal, for joining us, and we'll continue the discussion next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the Post Money Plan podcast in the iTunes podcast app or Google Play, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Post Money Plan podcast.